Hey kids, I'm Jax, your host of Here for the Booze. Thanks for joining me and talking about a couple of holiday slashers uh, I've just watched. And they both came out in the 80s, so you definitely know that they're going to be good. And they're definitely those, like, good, bad horror movies that we all just love to watch. And who doesn't love a good, bad horror movie? Tonight I'm actually going to be drinking uh, Medusa Brewery Laser Kitten IPA. It's actually like the Laser Cat on the lighter side beer. I actually have the shirt of Laser Cat, so it's actually like pretty funny. But it's a really good beer and the light one's really nice because it's kind of nice to just have one and not feel super heavy. So if you have a second, it's, you know, it's not killing you like some IPAs can can do to you. But we're not here to talk about alcohol. We're here to actually talk about these movies. As always, there's going to be some spoilers, but please do rewatch these for the holidays. Uh, they're really, <laughs> they're really good and kind of lightened up the mood, in my opinion, after watching so many sappy Christmas movies. So uh, let's begin. The first one we're going to talk about is Blood Rage. And I'm actually a little angry that I just didn't watch this earlier because it's actually a Thanksgiving, quote unquote, horror movie. That's when like everything happens. So it's just, I'm a little, you know, at least it's close to the holiday, but it's still a holiday movie in that season. So close enough. It was actually, this movie was made in 1983, but released in 87. I'm not sure why it took so long to release. I'm sure it had to do with money, funding, somebody to actually, you know what, you need a big company, I believe, to actually like push the movie into theaters and things like that. And I'm not really sure why this is unheard of. It's a really good movie when it comes to classic 80s slashers. I definitely, now that I've seen it, want to include it in that category because it really, it was really fun to watch, in my opinion. It starts off with a kid in a drive-in movie theater where he somehow gets a knife, which I can't remember how he gets it, but he gets it. It must have been in the in the car they were in or whatnot but their mom is like making out with her boyfriend in the front seat and he and his twin brother get out of the car and Todd grabs some some knife and he they walk in over to this other car where they see a couple kissing and making out and whatever I'm pretty sure they're probably having sex but he Terry takes the knife and just starts like stabbing this random like teenager who doesn't even like fight back maybe in shock that a kid's like stabbing him But his twin brother, Todd, is innocently standing by and obviously shocked at what he just saw. It's pretty gruesome, to be honest, the the kill scene in this. Terry, the other twin who just killed this, this man, hands Todd the knife and smears blood in his face. And then Todd is pinned for the murder because, you know, his mother runs over because they're screaming. And there's, you know, this is obviously like people are aware of what's going on. And he just blames it on... Todd, who is just so shocked and silent, he doesn't even try to fight back at all. So Todd ends up being institutionalized. And then after a while, now, you know, you're back and it's like 20 years later or something and they're older. You know, Todd is kind of realizing, "I, I didn't do this. I didn't kill those people. But I don't really think the memories are really connecting. And it's interesting how they're narrating this part from his doctor's point of view as to what's going on and how the mother's reacting and responding to all of this. So it was kind of an interesting way to have the movie. It was different narrations at times. So it was kind of a little confusing in the beginning, but then it kind of comes together once you realize why it needed to be that way. Todd escapes from the mental facility and this gives Terry 
a reason to go on another killing spree and make it look like his brother did it. And the the twins are actually, when they're older, are played by the same man, just different hairstyles. So it's kind of funny how it's the same guy, but they're twins. So it's the 80s, low budget. You know (laughs) how that all goes. But, you know, the scenes in the movie are just really good. And what I just said about the movie is pretty much it. You know, the mom, I think, is dating the building manager or something. So there's some nonsensical scenes where the mom is calling her boyfriend. Although if he's the building manager, he's probably like down the hall or down a couple stairs. So it's really odd, you know, some of the way things are set up. But the kills are really good. The graphics are impressive for 80s in general and for this movie. I felt that for a low-budget movie... The effects were really good. But this is where you can get creative with special effects and where you don't have a lot of money to rely on press, like super expensive prosthetics or skin-like materials and things like that, which I don't even know in the 70s or, excuse me, 80s if that was even really available. But, you know, I just felt like they were really – the effects were really good and, you know, they weren't super cheesy, you know what I'm saying, but they were good. Um, you know, the mom – is pouring massive glasses of wine once she realizes her son's missing and they can't find him and then they start to realize that people are dying and things like that. She even like eats leftover like Thanksgiving leftovers while she's like sitting on the floor in front of the fridge. It's like straight up like scooping corn into her mouth. Like there's some bizarre scenes in this, but I will say it's a fun fun ride. You know what I mean? Just a really good, you know, even the horror movies that they watch in it. I forget, like, if it's their friends, you know, Terry's, quote-unquote, you know, because he has, like, a normal life, so he has friends, even though he's a killer. I think they're, like, watching a horror movie, and it's, like, making fun of itself. So it's a little bit of self-awareness right there also. And, you know, I'm I, I'm just really impressed by this movie, considering I'd never heard of it, and not many people talk about it. So I definitely want, you know, people to take a chance on some movies because I'm really glad I took one on this. This was really fun. I, you know, the music was really good. Typical, you know, 80s synthesizing, you know, in the movie, I felt like the plot still holds up as far as it being original because, you know, not many movies are that kind of plot. You know, my twin did it, not me. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I kind of wish that there was a sequel as to, you know, what would have happened after the bad twin quote unquote was killed. You know, what happened to the good one? Did this kind of fuck him up and then he goes crazy? Like, you know what I'm saying? I just, I'm surprised because it was the 80s that this also didn't really, you know, this movie didn't have a sequel to go with it because I felt like, you know, if anything, this was, I don't know, I I didn't really get to look into who did the special effects, but I'm I'm definitely, you know, hopeful that you know, more and more nowadays, we cannot rely on CGI. You know, we can kind of take a step back and, you know, why horror is what we like, you know what I mean? And and why horror is so good and what makes a good horror movie, you know what I mean? This, you know, please go check out Blood Rage. Um, it's, you won't regret it, I swear, I promise. I promise. Cheers. Go watch it. <laughs> the other movie that we're going to talk about, which is actually kind of two movies, only because I watched the first one and then immediately was like, yes, I have to watch the second one because I've just heard so many awesome things about these movies. And of course, that being Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Now this is a great 
Christmas horror movie. This is just deliciously bad and good at the same time. This was definitely, especially the second one, which first we're going to talk about the first Silent Night, Deadly Night. Then we'll talk about the second one. So, like I said, this was released in 1984, but after angry parents protested the advertising, it was pulled from theaters. Bad publicity is good publicity, right? It went back into theaters a few months later in early 1985. Now, this movie was only made with $750,000, and it definitely does look low budget. But some, like I said, sometimes that's not a bad thing. It gets, you know, those creative juices flowing and things like that. That's, you know, that's part of the art of filmmaking. The director of the movie is known for creating the life and times of Grizzly Adams, both the television and book series, and he kind of took the job as a favor to a friend at TriStar to kind of get this this uh, this movie made because they needed a and they needed a, a good director with a name. Now the movie is about a kid who sees Santa kill his parents when he was a kid. And it's his grandfather that sets the scene in the beginning saying Christmas Eve is the scariest time of year and he's kind of crazy. He's in a mental institution. You're not really sure. They don't really give you his backstory, but clearly the actor had the backstory down because he just really embodies this, you know, aging grandfather really well as far as, you know, spewing out crazy lines and saying that Santa's going to come and get you and the kid's like you know, six at the time or something crazy. So that has to be traumatizing to him. You know, after he sees his parents killed, after he's, you know, talks to his grandfather, of course, you know, he has to live in an orphanage. And it's pretty much the story of a kid named Billy, who's just one thing after another has just been through just so many traumatizing things. You know, and these events unfortunately happen around Christmas or involve Santa directly because it was a drunk Santa that just randomly killed his parents when he was a kid. And then at the orphanage, you know, his, the nuns were abusive and they forced, you know, Christmas traditions on this kid who, you know, clearly has some problems with Santa and Christmas in general, which is, you know, can't, that can't be good. At the orphanage, he sees, you know, two of the older kids having sex and he gets in trouble for seeing that. And he keeps seeing people do bad things. And then growing up, you know, with that built up anger and possible confusion as to why he feels this way, you know, considering he probably never really processed what happened with his parents. And, you know, the movie kind of jumps in the beginning to these different times and you're kind of confused, but it's because they have to explain that to then get to the the reasoning behind why he goes crazy. <laughs> uh, pretty much, you know, and then, you know, as he gets older, when the movie kind of finally settles down after, you know, looking into the past a little bit, he fucking works at a goddamn toy store around Christmas. Who the hell doesn't think that in October when you take a job that in, you know, that in a couple months, like Santa's not going to come or be a part of like, I don't know. I just thought that was really dumb considering you have some trauma and you're going to work at a freaking toy store with kids and fucking Santa. Like, I don't know. Anyway, that's what makes the movie, I guess, anyway. <laughs> uh, but the whole like reasoning why he kind of snaps is he is asked to dress up as Santa because I, I forget the, the guy couldn't come or they may ask him to do it. And that just kind of triggered him to, you know, not really feel super comfortable and just all these unresolved feelings. And then he sees an employee in distress. You know, one of the males is trying to force himself on a girl. And another thing about these 80s movies that's really unrealistic is nobody in this movie wears a bra. None. Everybody whose boobs you see, no bra. 
I just really want to know what world that is where no girls wear bras. Like, this just, what world is that? Because that is crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's lots of 80s boobs and, you know, things like that in this that I guess have to be in it. But I just thought that that was kind of, you know, silly that every time you rip off someone's shirt, there's just no bra. Because <laughs> you know that you can't rip a, you know, bra open side to side. Absolutely not. <laughs> You know, unfortunately, he is killed by the police. And in the beginning of the movie, he runs away when Santa is attacking his parents and killing them and whatnot. And you hear a baby crying in the car. So they do not shy, thankfully. This is just some made up subplot. But, you know, they they have this little kid who is in the shadows of this killer. And, you know, he you kind of, you know, think like, how is this movie going to have a second one? You know? So the second one is all about how the scenario of the first movie fucked the younger brother up. So it's actually interesting because the second one is on Shudder right now. And I kept seeing it thinking, ooh, I got to watch the first one first, blah, blah, blah. I'm one of those, definitely one of those people. I don't just jump into a freaking movie um, or a series of movies like at the third one or whatever. Unless I've heard like you don't need, like, you know, you don't need to watch Halloween three. Perfect. Perfect example. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, they kind of retell the story in the first one because Ricky, the brother, is now messed up from all of the events of the first movie and whatnot. And he's actually in the same institution that the grandfather was in. So a family that's crazy together stays together. But the second movie is just gloriously bad. And, you know, the first one's pretty bad, but I will say the first one's like, it's still good. It's still pretty good. Now, the second one, it's just cheesy. You know, the actor, he plays this guy, but for the first, like, almost half of the movie, he's talking to his doctor and you're getting all the flashbacks of the first one. So technically, you don't need to watch the first one to watch the second one. The only thing they don't show in the first one is the grandfather talking, really, to the kid in the beginning, setting the you know, scene of, you know, Santa Claus is crazy and all that shit. (laughs) So it's kind of interesting about that. This actor that plays Ricky does so much eyebrow acting. It's just incredible. (laughs) I love me some good brows. The the psychiatrist that he's telling the story to, it's just, it's a weird scene because he'll tell the story, but then he'll pop into the psychiatrist's ear, you know, like off to the like side, like parallel to the, it's just in like the peripheral of the doctor. And you're just like, why are you guys like, that close and why isn't somebody watching like I don't know I guess he's not I don't know if he'd been violent really at that point so whatever but he's you know telling the story of what's going on and why maybe but it's just like really bad acting just really bad acting with layers of the first movie uh sprinkled in to remind you of what happened he gets away kills the doctor and then he goes on this killing spree and that's what truly makes this a really good movie because there's an epic line of garbage day right before killing a random person taking up the trash. Like it's just, I think it was Christmas Eve or Christmas day when all of this is happening and going, going on and whatnot. It's just like really silly, just so great, deliciously silly. The only thing about this, there is a horror slasher faux pas where he goes around, you know, killing, killing people with a shotgun. That's kind of not really how slashers work, but that's okay. We'll just kind of let that one go, you know, but that's not before an amazing umbrella death scene. That is a must see right after he gets out. It's just, it's almost like something the penguin from Batman returns would do. You know what I mean? Like just really good. 
Now, there are other movies in this series that I have not seen, nor do I, I'm not sure if I'll watch them. We'll see, because I've actually heard that they're pretty bad, and just bad, not even, like, kind of good bad, you know, but I did see Sleepaway Camp 3, so if I can get through that, then I can pretty much watch anything, but, because that is a very bad movie. (laughs) That just didn't need to be made, but that's okay. Sometimes you got to learn from that kind of stuff. You know, I wanted this episode just really quick to talk about these movies because these movies don't have a lot to them. You know, I'm sure if we really dug into some themes, there's really not any themes in these movies. They're just, you know, sad. The first, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night is definitely just a sad, you know, movie if you really think about like what's going on. You know, this kid has just seen some terrible things and just been exposed to these terrible things and now he has to live his life and the events just turned him into this unfortunately uh and then in blood rage it's about an evil twin essentially you know and how family can kind of turn on you unfortunately and use you and i guess that's you know i didn't really want to talk about themes in these just because they're just good movies to just you know curl up with some wine or a good beer like i am and just take in the 90 minutes of nonsense and enjoyment you know because there's not there's not many layers to these you know it's not something that you might need to think about later you know like hereditary or midsommar or you know the killing of a sacred deer things like that this isn't a deep movie these are not deep movies they're 80s movies (laughs) but thanks again for joining me in this quick discussion about these holiday slashers this was my first time seeing both of them and i definitely was or all three of them excuse me and i was not disappointed have you guys seen these? You should go check them out if you haven't because they're worth it. They're they're really, really fun. For now, I'm going to leave you with this quote from Robert England, also known as Freddy Krueger. Some actors get by with behaving, not acting. You've got to sell the effect. I act more in the nightmare movies because it's not like me. I'm not acting. I'm reacting. Good night, kids. <laughs>